0: Welcome to Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything cinematic. I'm Van Conner.
1: And I'm Bex Perfect, and we are here keeping you on the couch, but hopefully not for much longer. Boom.
0: Well, I think the boom is going to be, you know, my head exploding if I uh, hear about another film that's going to be screening only in the next few weeks. What this this phasing out of Link system? It seems we are going back to the movies in the coming months, Bex, whether we like it or not, evidently. But yeah. uh, one movie that uh, we can talk about that uh, we have the option On at the moment, you can watch this one at home, and I think it will get a short run in cinemas when it's open. Is Mortal Kombat the rebooted Mortal Kombat? Do you remember the last one?
1: Well, 1995, I think, was the last one. um, It was the last movie, the last proper
0: theatrical live action movie, I think.
1: Yeah, and I don't think I saw all of it. <laughs> I basically <definitely laughs> remember seeing half of it, but I'm pleased to say that I saw all of the 2021 versions.
0: <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, this so is the, okay. the thing. So you had you had uh, Mortal Kombat, which was the first, which was the breakout project for Paul W S Anderson mm. in uh, back when back when he was just Paul Anderson back in the 1990s it was his second film he was still paul anderson at the time and then paul thomas anderson came along yes. around the same kind of time yeah. and they had to vary that one up because right. everyone kept saying oh, I paul that... anderson Be- yeah, I, was was, yeah I, I guarantee you that was film critics complimenting the wrong paul anderson and feeling really bad about it Brilliant. like you just Brilliant. know that that was that was the critics of the time being like wasn't this paul anderson movie stunning and someone went what mortal <laughs> kombat <laughs> you know, that's totally what happened
1: <laughs> so, so you, had, you, know, you do not get the US. We did like um what was that for seymour hoffman scientology one um that, oh the like, master the master one. yeah that's not the same guy that has done this so just for clarity <laughs> a very different style of movie making but this you know what this movie is um it's an interesting one because i i'm going to be completely honest i was a street fighter girl i wasn't a mortal Kombat player I grew up watching uh, playing Street Fighter so the characters in this well firstly I did a bit of research when I watched this movie hmm. because I was like I wasn't recognizing like Kano I, I, I knew who Sub-zero was you know there's a few things there but I when I went to kind of Google it, suddenly I realized hmm. the universe has expanded so much <laughs> from the 90s so I was like, I have no idea who I'm looking at. <laughs>
0: Exactly, so so the plot on this one, this time around, so we've got, this is a complete reboot, and as you just touched on, this is not only a reboot of the the film series, this is a reboot of the live action mythology entirely. Mm. So they have, obviously the universe has expanded in the video games in the 25, 26 years since that first movie, uh, which itself combined the first two games. This now combines elements of all the games into what's effectively a retooled version of the original game's plot, which is you have a group of human champions who are tasked with entering a martial arts tournament between the various realms of existence uh, known as Mortal Kombat. If they lose, the bad guys get to invade Earth. That's the gist. It's a fighty-fighty movie. The difference here is the movie, despite being called Mortal Kombat and about, you know, going to and taking part in Mortal Kombat to save the world, in no way features the Mortal Kombat tournament. Throughout history, different cultures all
1: over the world reference a great tournament of champions. That dragon marking? I think it's an invitation to fight for something known, as Mortal Kombat.
0: These are your champions.
1: I'm Sonya. That's Kano. I'm Luke. Name's Jax. Kong La. The fate of Earth is in our hands. So I'm not going to lie, there was a moment where Raiden comes in, right? Who is the lightning guy. And I was uh, for a moment going, am I watching Big Trouble in Little China? I mean, this character is identical to one of the characters in that. And it's like, I got a bit confused at points. And you know, the the names, suddenly like this nostalgia was creeping in because I was like, I recognize Sonya in this and I recognize Kano, the name, and Liu Kang. And things like that, but I was like, I couldn't put a face to them, so I actually quite enjoy because I didn't have that reference point. I wasn't kind of critiquing how like for like they are with the video game character, and I quite liked that. I could enjoy it more, but you're right, I, I did sort of kind of go towards the latter half of the movie going, Did I miss the actual tournament? Like, there's a lot of <laughs> <"Tournament."> <laughs> but why did <am> I stop? <laughs>
0: there's a there's a lot of and this and to be fair this is not a fault unique to this version of mortal kombat in fact the film i'm going to reference in a moment famously did it as well but it's all too common now for movies like this to come out and 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 basically take the position of Here's what we're doing, but the stuff that you actually showed up for, you're going to have to come back for the sequel to see. So if you want to see Mortal Kombat, the Mortal Kombat, so you've got to come back for the sequel, which, you know, this is, you've got to go through all of the first movie for them to become the Fantastic Four before you then get the sequel where they're the Fantastic Four. Or the film that I I'm, I'm more directly want to compare Mortal Kombat to, because I think the comparison really holds, and I'm surprised I haven't heard this more actually, is the Power Rangers reboot from four years ago that Lionsgate put out which mm. takes something bright, colourful and wacky and tries to make it as real-world as possible. This is taking place in our world. Like, there is a Starbucks down the street. Was it Dunkin' Donuts, I think, in Power Rangers? It was, yeah. it was Dunkin' yeah, yeah, Donuts, yeah, yeah. they productized. This really wants you to know this is in the real world, but at the same time, like Power Rangers, again, it's... Okay, at the end, they're the Power Rangers, but if you want to see anything more than them just getting to put the suits on and 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 see it all working. You're gonna come back for the sequel. This even actually pulls the same closing trick of that character that you love, we're gonna mention him, but you're gonna have to see him in the sequel. Incidentally, Uh, I want Sean William Scott for that role.
1: But the problem I've got with this, with the saturation of movies within the market Mm. and also Power Rangers as an example, what if they don't make enough money to warrant a sequel? You're left so high and dry, right? And that's the problem.
0: I agree. Now, as an action film, which is what I view. I mean, I'm I'm more of a Mortal Kombat fan than a Street Fighter fan. And obviously, we been the age we are, we grew up during the sort of 16-bit console era, so yeah. we saw this start. You know, in the early nineties. Yeah. Street Fighter was the more international one, and Mortal Kombat was very much the British one. Mm. And, you know, Mortal Kombat was the more controversial one because it had all the gore, and it had the fatalities, and it had the blood. Now, that is where the movie becomes integral here, because the existence of this movie has been clamored for by myself, friends of mine, for years. Because we always just wanted to see a Mortal Kombat movie that was our rated, that did the gore, that did the fatalities, that, you know... Put it this way, Kung Lao is a character included in this movie, and anybody who's ever played a Mortal Kombat game can tell you there is only one reason on Earth that you include Kung Lao in a movie. Mm. Because he's a boring-ass character. However, he does have one very, very killer feature that you know you really want to see depicted yeah. on screen and and do you know what they do and yeah. it does it does get the payoff line that we all want to see, which is flawless victory and there's lots of that there's lots of Kano wins and things like that you know fatality i love that stuff i want more of it i think this is serviceable i think it's pretty weakly written i think it's needlessly convoluted at times to an almost bafflingly baffling degree i don't get why there's a new character in place of a very obviously established character which seems again yeah. needless um, uh, good cast, though. Yeah. Quite like uh, Louis Tan as the, as the new character, as Cole. Uh, Joe Taslin from The Raid. You've got Hiroyuki Sanada in there as a character. The trailers were not so subtle about hiding the scorpion. Um, Joe Taslin from The Raid as Sub-Zero, though. I thought, actually, really fun, really light. Yeah. And Chin Han as, uh, as uh, Sang-Chung. Sang-Chung? Sang-Hong? I forget his name now. Who's that villain now? Some, I can't remember the villain's name in this name but i uh,
1: tell but, you what I, I'm, I'm with you on, on the ultra violence bit because actually even mm. in the, the sort of prelude bit to it you know where we're learning about the kind of the history and tradition and where this rivalry started There are some pretty like to get you going in this movie. There are some pretty ultra violent moments in this, Um, you know, some sort of proper probably should have been in black and white kind of things to sort of dull it down a bit. But I applaud them for going that far with it. And I think that works really well. So, look, I think it's a middle of the road movie overall. I'm with you with the scripting. it's nothing special. But if you're not in it for that, you're in it to kind of. See the action and see the gore and see everything that goes with it, and and that for me really works.
0: And to be fair to it, uh, like let's say I'm, I'm going into this mainly as an action film. It is actually a rather impressive action film. There is not a wasted shot in the fight choreography. There's not a wasted move either. Mm. It's very, very obviously a movie that has paid very close attention to its fight team. That's yeah. clearly worked very closely with its fight choreographers because you can tell from the way that the the way that those scenes are shot, the way that it's been filmed, the way the choreography is entwined with the camera at any yeah. given time. The way that everything is staged, I think it's actually quite impressive. One of the mo- in terms of physical combat, one of the more impressive films I've seen in recent years. Actually, yeah. it's not a John yeah. Wick, but it's pretty damn good.
1: For me, I give that probably one and one and three quarter thumbs up. I really enjoyed it for what it is. Do
0: okay. you know what? I'm going to go with the same. I'm going to go with a one and a half for that one. Yeah. And uh, when we and when we return, we'll see what else we can cook up on freeview.
1: Welcome back to Offscreen. Now we're in the segment, which I think is probably my favourite segment of the podcast, which is all of the great movies that are on your telly box. And this is from the old to the new, the things that you haven't really thought about before. Or maybe you've caught a few years ago and you haven't seen for a a good long time and it's about time to bring it back to the forefront of your mind again. So one of those movies, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. I very much enjoy, is, is, is all the way back from 2007. Uh, when this got released, and it made an impact, it really did. And it's not what you can think. And then some.
0: Yeah. You can you can some. argue that this changed the comedy genre. This absolutely yeah. redefined the not so much in terms of its content, but in terms of the talent that came to the table with this, yeah. wound up taking over the industry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's got like it's got like people like. Um, yeah, you know, it's obviously it's a Judd Apatow uh, movie, but it's got like Seth Rogen, who prior to this, and you don't know what we're talking about yet, but you'll probably be able to get. Prior to this was in like Freaks and Geeks. You know, it's just not. You know, it, it, there's a whole kind of jo- uh, whole kind of group of like brat pack kind of um, feel mm. for Freaks and Geeks of those people. who Then suddenly, in the the late start of the Noughties started to become real A-listers. So we're talking about Seth Rogen, we're talking about Catherine Heigl, we're talking about Leslie Mann as well, and also Paul Rudd is in this movie. Of course, we're talking about Knocked Up, um, which is on ITV2 at 9pm on Saturday night. And this is the story of a TV host and a jobless man who loves to get bait every now and again, um, ending up having a one-night stand and she suddenly discovers that she's pregnant.
0: I'm going to be a grandfather. You happy about that? Absolutely. Delighted. This is a disaster. No,
1: this is not a disaster. It is. An earthquake is a
0: disaster. This is a good thing. This is a blessing. I have a vision for how my life would go, and this definitely is well, not. Is this your it. vision? Are you living your vision right I now? I am kind of living my vision. Well, that is sad. I'm telling you, <laughs> life doesn't care about your vision. Okay, stuff happens. So you just got to deal with it. You roll with it. That's that's the beauty of it all. So Harold Ramis there, in a scene that I assume must be long, because I know there's a lot of deleted scenes for every Apatow film, there's a lot of improv, but uh, I think there's a there's a longer version of that during the, in the deleted scenes on the DVD. I think this is a really great movie, and another story behind it, I think, came out of uh, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, which uh, Seth Rogen became like a breakout character in that, literally yeah. two years earlier in 2005, and the story, as far as I understand it, is that uh, during the sequence in which Seth Rogen detailed his trip to Tijuana in uh, in 40. 40- old virgin that seth rogan had the idea of oh what if he hooked up with someone and god forbid and that's how this came about um say exactly. it did become the defining movie for seth rogan it became you know, made him a megastar overnight you couldn't move for seth Rogen yeah. projects within a year we were watching things like pineapple express and then funny people was the appetite movie after that and uh, you know and seth rogan is you know both Hollywood and cannabis royalty now. So, I mean, he literally... Seth Rowe went to the extreme of founding his own weed company, his own high-end luxury weed brand.
1: But now, isn't he, like, totally into, like, painting uh, plant pots or something at the moment? That's he's like into he's pottery. Like, he's into pottery, yeah. that's he's, it, He's yeah. really
0: into pottery. He makes his own... Asht- he makes ashtrays. That's his favourite yeah, thing. That's he makes it, yeah. ashtrays. I love that about Seth Rowe. It was a fascinating interview with him in GQ. Uh, This past month, because he's uh, because of the change of of laws in certain US states, he's been able to expand his houseplant brand. It's called Houseplant, funnily enough. His brand into uh, North America. Uh, It previously only been in Canada, it's now in America as well. He actually has like a brick, a weighted brick shaped lighter because, as he puts it, it's the one thing you always lose.
1: I've seen that. I've seen that because I think Ryan Reynolds was just saying this is mm. absolutely genius on Instagram and that's kind of where you look. look anyway, look, let's, let's just let's just recap again on Knocked Up because it is a genius film that you can revisit again and again and again. This is kind of timeless mm. in its way. If you grew up, um, you know, and this is kind of a seminal moment for you as someone watching this movie, you'll love revisiting this. It's this a great Friday night, Saturday night mm. movie. Easy one to watch with your mates and just have a good laugh with.
0: But that's the thing as well, isn't it? Because it's got heart and soul and it is quite dialogue-driven. And although it is a comedy, it does also bring some drama to that comedy. Like, this turned out to be the breakout vehicle for Catherine Heigl as well at the yeah. time, which we don't tend to think about because, well, let's be honest, she kind of flushed her career away very very slowly over time, doing the exact set of same shtick that she pulled with this, which was, I'll take this clear breakout hit and I'll do nothing but smack-talk it in the press despite the fact that I'm literally a fool that opportunity, based on the success it afforded, you know, of this film, um, she replaced Anne Hathaway. Incidentally, who uh, had quit who quit the movie over the birth sequence. She didn't like how graphic the birth sequence was. Apatow was adamant that it had to be included. Anne Hathaway quit as a result, and we got stuck with Catherine Heigl. Now, I actually like Heigl in this movie.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, I think
0: she really suits it. I don't think either of them, for one second, are believable as twenty three year olds, which is what they're meant to be. But uh, other than that very very good movie some great dialogue i can relate hard to a lot of the paul rood sequences in this
1: yeah but to be fair yeah, and- to be fair van right if you watch freaks and geeks right mm. and you look back oh, has been like seth rogan has been like a 35 to 40 year old man ever since he was a teenager so I
0: kind of get I watched it. him in uh, I watched him in what was that show I love undeclared he's in undeclared with uh, and he's part of a cast that includes Charlie Hunnam as well Charlie Hunnam plays like a British theater act a uh, theater student set in college and he's a, a theater student and he's yeah he's really really good I think Jason Siegel. Uh, was in it as well. Absolutely check that series out if you've never seen it. But uh, Knocked Up, I think, is just tremendous.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right, Okay. so that is your Saturday Night Fix. Don't worry, we've got you sorted. Please don't get yourself knocked up when you're watching this. But um, on Sunday, if you're needing something a little bit different, I love this movie. This is on BBC Two, 4.45pm, so this is a good Sunday afternoon movie. You might not have seen it in a while. It was out in 2002. It's Catch Me If You Can. You love this film, Van?
0: Do you know what? I barely remember this film. I'm just going to oh, really? be really honest. Okay. I'm going to be really honest. I, I, I took a date to see this movie and I, I we, we weren't paying attention to the film at all. Like, I remember thinking it was all right. It wasn't. It's, it's not even in my top 20 Spielberg movies. It's not okay. in my top 20 DiCaprio movies, but I remember thinking, sorry.
1: Okay, fine. Well, it is a Spielberg movie. It follows the true story of con mm. artist Frank Abagnale, who is played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and he's duped people worth millions and millions and millions um with this masterful art of deception but he is being followed by and pursued by an FBI fbi agent who is played by tom hanks in this and what's brilliant about this movie is obviously it is a true story the clever little hacks that he does to to create the, the art of deception is brilliant. It's a period piece, so it's really interesting to kind of see how that world is created. Oh, yeah, I'm
0: this was it. sexy madmen before Mad Men, wasn't it?
1: Exactly, exactly. And then also what you're getting is you're getting this brilliant cat and mouse chase between Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio, and I just think it works phenomenally well and it's one of those Spielberg movies that I really remember and I really like to revisit from time and time again so yeah look Sunday afternoon perfect time for it BBC 2 4.45pm I would say go and enjoy this. And if you, uh, it is a couple of hours long, so it isn't the shortest of movies if you're after a quick fix. But actually, you know what? It's worth sitting down and remembering all the different scams that he did because that's what keeps the pace going and that's what keeps this as a really exciting movie. But you know what? If you've got your other half in turn, you want to snog your way through it just like Van did when he was uh, in 2002, then by all means, just do that. <laughs>
0: I remember that girl like it was yesterday. Anyway, don't remember <laughs> the movie though. Uh, a few good men then for Monday night. So this is going to be a low one to start the week. A few good men's on Sony movies, 9 p.m. on Monday. One of my favourite movies ever. Funnily enough, I think it's Mark Kermode's most hated. But uh, he seems to really hate the. I think he hates the ending of this for some
1: reason. Mark Kermode before. is more controversial than I think people think because he is the Doctor. He is like you know he is the the guy. That everyone thinks of when it comes to movies, but he had some really controversial views. Ah, oh,
0: he has. I'll tell you about the time I got, him to, got him to give his first fist bump. That was that was fun. Anyway, it was <laughs> nice one. But. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so A Few Good Men, uh, Rob Reiner directed uh, a movie written by Aaron Sorkin, adapted from his own stage play. And yeah. it is the project, of course, that made Sorkin. Uh, they'd follow this up, of course, with the American president that he wrote the script for, which in turn would then lead to him creating the West Wing, Studio 60 Sports Night, things like that. And, of course, all the way up to present day, where, you know, his movie was up for best picture this year. So yeah. very nearly had Oscar winner Aaron Sorkin this year. A Few Good Men sees... Uh, Tom Cruise, back when he used to only do, like, drama thrillers, playing Caffey, a sort of uh, chip-on-his-shoulder jag lawyer who is tasked with defending two Marines accused of murdering a fellow Marine in Guantanamo Bay, auspiciously under orders from uh, a a very sinister general played by Jack Nicholson, and it's a disciplinary procedure referred to as a Code Red. We use words like honour, code... Either way, I don't give a damn what you
1: think you are entitled to. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why he got nominated for an Oscar for actually <laughs> a very short amount of screen time. This is kind of like a Judy Dench and Shakespeare in Love, like 15 minutes or so is what you see of them, but wow, do they pack a punch. Obviously, Judy Dench actually picked up the Oscar. Uh, sadly, Jack Nicholson didn't. But I, the one caveat I'd have about this, and I love this film, right? I really mm-hmm. love it. But there are people who are not gonna love the adaptation from stage play to film, um, because either people will think that it belongs on the stage or that it actually is too stagey for film. I actually think this has a bit of a a good balance about it. This isn't Fences. This isn't even Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. This This has enough cinematic qualities about it to make it really feel at home in a movie setting. So if you mm. have a worry about that from what we've said that it was originally an Aaron Sorkin play, don't be worried about this. Um, and it is a great film to watch every 10 years, I think. Just oh, a absolutely.
0: Point. I mean, I, I watch this like once every couple of months. It's, if I can't sleep at night, if I, if I have a night where I can't sleep, which is usually every few months, I will crack A Few Good Men on and I'll, I'll yeah. be passed out by the end because I just sort of quote along and I get really sucked in every time. But that cast... Tom Cruise, Denny Moore, Jack Nicholson, J.T. Walsh, Noah Wiley, Kevin Bacon—just it, it oh it's, man, I love this movie. It, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie. And also, it features one of my favorite ever shutdown lines when Tom Cruise needs something to throw at Kevin Bacon, and, and just sh- and just out of the blue, just shouts, "You're a lousy softball player, Jack." <laughs> love it, love it.
1: Love it. There we go. Sony Movies, 9pm on Monday. What a way to start your week. When we're back, we're going to kick off the second half of the week with even more great movies.
0: Welcome back to Offscreen. And keeping you in the realm of cinematic offerings on your free view box, well, we're off to Mars next Miss Perfect. So, ITV4, Tuesday night's 11.45pm. It's a bit late, but I think if you're going to be watching a movie uh, after 11pm, why not make it one of the definitive Paul Verhoeven romps? This is 1990s Paul Verhoeven-directed adaptation of uh, We Can Remember It For You wholesale by Philip K. Dick, now remade as Total Recall, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Ironside, Ronnie Cox, and none other than Sharon Stone. The plot, if you can believe this, is that Arnold Schwarzenegger is an everyday run of the Mill ordinary construction worker, who keeps having this natural, innate drive to visit Mars, which in this sci-fi futuristic setting is, you know, an upheaval. The, the people of Mars are, are constantly in, uh, in in turmoil under the auspicious, uh, under the uh, under the sort of watchful gaze of their corporate overlord, and somehow. This drive that our would-be ordinary construction worker has is tied to this. Rather than, however, give you a clip of this extraordinary, wonderful work by Mr. Verhoeven, who incidentally has a a new movie uh, premiering at Cannes this year, and it has probably my favorite poster I've seen this year. You've got to check that out, I can't even vaguely tell you about it. Um, Instead of giving you a clip, though, I'm going to give you Arnold Schwarzenegger on the commentary a total recall. Here's the great fight scene with uh, Sharon and me. Ow, that hurt. <laughs> I continuously used him as a human shield and then I threw him down the escalator. And now he, he just got the message that he should actually put a wet towel around his Which head. Which
1: is also sh- like crazy. Exactly,
0: it? yeah. So that they, we just cannot, still don't know. So they cannot detect of where I am. I run around like an Indian. That's a funny scene. She's trying to steal the suitcase. Now they have problems following it. This scene is unbelievable because my frustration about this taxi cab does not understand where I want to go. Again, I got away.
1: <laughs> now we we have discussed this and I was like, this sounds unreal. That he's just going to literally sit there and talk through this whole scenario bit by bit but he does that that is proof
0: <laughs> that is that is arnie's version of a commentary. that is my second favorite movie commentary after drunk ben affleck does armageddon right that, that is always going to be my favorite this is my second It's hilarious. Arnold Schwarzenegger literally just narrates his own actions on screen. It's genius. And the other guy, by the way, you could hear on that, was actually director Paul Verhoeven. So Total Recall, you gotta. if you've never seen Total Recall, what are you doing with your life? And if you have seen Total Recall, you damn well know why you should be watching it again, because it's awesome.
1: It's awesome. It's got some of the best practical effects I think I've ever seen. Mm. Um, And uh, it's Arnie. those,
0: Those three boobs are practical.
1: Exactly. I, exa- I was go- Do you know what? I was going to mention the three boobs and then I thought <laughs> I'm going to hold it back on that. But that is probably one of the most iconic practical effects. <laughs> Very practical, in fact, um, from this movie. But Arnie, brilliant in this. Of course, he's a construction worker that ends up on Mars. Why wouldn't he be? It's Total Recall. ITV4, 11.45pm. There we go. I hope you guys enjoy that on Tuesday. Uh, moving on to Wednesday. Um, American Made is on film for 9pm. I haven't seen this. I know you're a big fan of this as Tom Cruise does blow essentially is what you described it to me as <laughs>
0: that's, that's what I said to you Tom Cruise does blow I'm like oh no no not like, not like that no he makes the movie but the Johnny Depp movie blow he basically just does that doesn't actually although I think he does do coke in the movie but yeah the whole thing so it, this is um, based on a true story I think this is, a da- this is uh, brought to the screen by Doug Lyman. Uh, yeah. you know, most recently did Locked Down with Anne Hathaway and Chewie For um, This is, uh, is st- based on a true story. Tom Cruise is the pilot who, in the, I think it's the 70s, um, takes a job with the CIA, effectively smuggling drugs and weapons in and out of South America. And it's effectively a sort of Goodfellas like tale of how this guy gets in bed with the US government, only to start to enjoy the criminal side of his cover a little bit too much. CIA owns this? No. No. Uh, Independent Aviation Consultants. IAC. Yeah.
1: You run the company, but after hours, you work for us.
0: Takes pictures?
1: The work is covert. Covert.
0: So uh, anyone finds out about it, uh, family, friends, even uh, Lucy. It's Lucy, right? Yeah, that's right. That'd be a problem. Oh, this is legal? If you're doing it for the good guys? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just don't get caught. So you can hear that, is it legal? It is if you're doing it for the good guys. It's a very Wolf of Wall Street way of looking at things, isn't it? Yeah. Because very flexible definition um a very fun movie uh has a lot of swagger in the period setting but i mean as i say it's it's one of those films if you've seen for instance blow this is not going to you know be life-changing for you because you've basically already seen this movie and you've seen it done with arguably a slightly better actor at the time because that was back when johnny depp was good and yeah
1: i think i had a problem with the pace in blow and and Mm. and like it la- It took itself very seriously as a movie. Whereas, if this is a little bit more, if this is a little bit more kind of loose with it, then I'd probably enjoy that a little bit more.
0: I don't know. I thought this was about as loose as Blow, but I, I don't remember being uh, Blow being as as straight-laced as I think you do. I mean, for one thing, I remember the, the Johnny Depp secret scene in the courtroom when he's talking about what, what I do. I flew some plants over an imaginary line. I mean, come on. Where's the yeah. crime? I love that moment. But also, mm. there's, a, you know, there's, there's an inherent logic to his argument that I uh, can't help but appreciate. But it does seem like the same movie, both in terms and sort of structure. Um, on to Thursday night, then. Film four, 6.45. Ooh, should we play an imitation game, Miss Perfect?
1: Oh, let's. Let's. Because, obviously, the Cumberbitches will be wanting to watch this as much as possible. Uh,
0: is that the it, fandom term, is it? That
1: is the fandom term, the Cumberbitches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which I I don't see it. I'm going to be honest. I don't see it with Benedict Cumberbatch, but plenty do. Um, so they'll be rushing to film for 6.45pm on Thursday to watch this because he is playing Alan Turing, the British mathematician who joins the team to decipher the German Enigma code in World War Two. So they, he builds a machine to crack the code. We all know about the Enigma machine, but we didn't really know the story behind it. Now we do. Please, I... The Germans, they won't get suspicious just because we stopped one attack. No one will know. I'm asking you as your friend. Please. I'm so sorry.
0: Not God, Ireland. You don't get to decide who lives and who dies. Yes, we do. Why? Because no one else can.
1: You know who I like? So, this has got a great cast in it. Um, and, and one of the people that I, I wish got more recognition, just generally, because he's such a great actor, is Matthew Goode, um, who is in this movie. I think he is just brilliant. Mark Strong's also in this, Alan Leach, Kira Knightley as well is in this, as is Charles Dance. I mean, the cast is your quintessentially World War II British. Cast that you need. I mean, that's what this there's, does. There's the just interview. a WhatsApp
0: group, isn't there? There's, I'm just convinced yeah. that there is just a WhatsApp group that's just World War ii actors, okay, yeah. British World War ii actors, and it just, you know, someone sends a message, and it just pops up on the phone of Charles downs Keira Knightley, Mark Strong. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like when the Americans do, when the Americans do it, and it's always like Kyle Chandler turns up and shea Wiggum. But
1: you could know? so just imagine if, like, they've all been cast, and then it suddenly goes. Uh, Kira Knightley has left the group you're like oh she didn't make the cut this
0: year <laughs> no that was, that's what happened when, when it was announced that she was doing Jack Ryan shadow recruit like 10 years ago it was they found out because like Kira has left the group <laughs> that's how it works um but yeah Imitation Game is a really good thriller it is yeah. uh, very much a British prestige war thriller that's been sort mm-hmm. of crafted as an awards contender and yeah. just, it's a perfectly solid one as well I mean to say that Cumberbatch is good in it is, you know, that's both a prerequisite and an understatement. Well, Cumberbatch got, is you know always what? good.
1: Yeah, and he got nominated for Best Actor for the Oscars. <laughs> it also got um, Best best Adapted Screenplay uh, nominated. Mm. It didn't win anything, but Best uh, best Picture, it was up for that as well. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's it's done really well across the board. And I think 2015, it was a good year for a film like this.
0: I was, I was, For me, I was very happy as well that the actual story of Alan Turing had actually been brought properly into the mainstream. had actually been lionised into the mainstream consciousness because it, it's, I mean, obviously, you know, meet tech nerd. But, uh, you know, it's obviously the Turing test we had encountered. Yeah. That same year, the Turing test was being talked about in Ex Machina. was literally the plot of Ex Machina. Uh, so, you know, if you wondered what that Turing test was about, meet the man who created it. Yeah. And uh, so, Imitation Game, 6.45, which is a perfect time for it, Thursday night on mm-hmm. film Boy, the tea. It's a really good sort like, of after tea movie, isn't it? You have your tea. Yeah. You your Could you
1: yeah. be more British after yeah, sure. tea movie? But I after mean. tea, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just, you know, put, you put your jam and your cream on your scones and sit down and enjoy it. <laughs> it's got, come on, cumber bitches, let's get going. But,
0: but hang on, are you are you a cream then a jam or a jam and then a cream? That's the real question, perfect.
1: I'm cream then jam.
0: You I see, that's it. It's cream. the proper way, isn't it? That's the proper yeah,
1: way. I, I treat the cream like butter. You put that on yeah. first. Uh, yeah, some psychos in
0: the world, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know, right. Well, let's round off your week with um, a movie that picked up, controversially, a Best Actor Oscar for its lead actor in this. Um, I say controversially because we've never seen him really work again. Uh, but um, it, it, was, it was controversial
0: after the fact. It wasn't controversial at the time. It was
1: only about a yeah, year well, later, I think. It was at the time because I remember when he received the award, I think some people weren't happy. I oh, think there was a bit of... Yeah, there was a little bit of, Anyway, look, you're wondering what the hell we're talking about. We're talking about... <laughs> we should probably tell you. BBC 2 11 20 11.20pm on Friday. Late one for your Friday night, but you might be up. You might want to press record on this. It's Manchester by the Sea, starring Casey Affleck um, and also Luke Hedges and Michelle Williams in this. Now, Casey Affleck plays um, a guy whose brother sadly passes away, and is named as the guardian to his 16-year-old nephew, uh, which forces him to return to his hometown and confront his past. I don't understand. Which part are you having trouble with? Well, I can't be his guardian. Well, uh... I mean, I can't. Well, naturally. I I assumed Joe had
0: discussed all this with you.
1: No, he didn't.
0: Uh, I, I... Sorry, I have to say, I'm somewhat taken aback. He can't live with me. I live in one room. <laughs> well, but Joe has provided for Patrick's upkeep food, clothes, etc. And the
1: house and the boat are owned outright. I can't commute from Boston every day until he turns 18. What about my Uncle Donnie and Aunt Teresa? Joe didn't feel that Patrick really had any special relationship or feeling I understand. about them. And now, as I, I think you know, they've moved out to Wisconsin, I believe. Minnesota. It was my impression that you'd spent a, a lot of time here over the years. I was just a backup it was supposed to be done. I'm just a beggar. I I have to say uh, this for me is one of those films like like what we feel maybe with the Oscars this year. It was one of the middle of the road types of movies, but it's the performance that is going to mm. get the buzz around it and that's exactly what happened. And you know, you might watch it and you might go, well, it's actually a little bit the pace is slow and it's just it just plods along, but I love this movie and I cuz I the think character yeah, I'm films, with you. What,
0: I think, it, for me, it's all about... Because, I mean, the, the third act of this thing comes with one hell of a gut punch. Yeah. Like, one serious... what is a Hulk-style gut punch yeah, okay. And And it wouldn't work if Casey Affleck was not as good as he is in it. Also, Michelle Williams, who I think... She got nominated for this as well, didn't she, I believe, at the time?
1: Yeah, I, I, I need to check that on that because if
0: I, she didn't, she deserved to be either way. But uh, and and Lucas Hedges, in fact, all, all three of them I think are genuinely yeah. terrific in this movie. I'll watch Luke. i watch Lucas Hedges in more or less anything. Um, in fact, I have watched him in more or less anything because some of the movies he's he's been in have you know been put out as award screeners and never actually released in cinemas. But uh, you know, I mean, very good actor though. What was the? Uh, she
1: didn't get nominated. Uh, she didn't get nominated. Uh,
0: she did not. She, oh, no, I mean, nominated.
1: The nominations that it received for the Oscars was obviously best actor, um, mm. and then also uh, best picture. Yeah,
0: fair enough. Well, yeah. it's like great, great movie. Uh, very much, an, uh, you know, sort of awards uh, friendly, fair. But you know, one of the better ones I think that year. Even though the film is arguably, as you say, kind of middle of the road, but it is all yeah. about that performance to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what a way! Like what a performance! So if you are after something really powerful that Friday night, this will do that this will definitely give you all the feels by the end of it so that is a very eclectic selection for your week which i love um you could go from total Recall <laughs> through to manchester by the sea with a little bit of an imitation game in the middle um which is excellent but coming up next we're going to be with you back again because we're going to be talking about a few things that are available on dvd blu-ray yes they still exist and also on streaming stick with us
0: Welcome back for one last ride off screen. So let's go down the DVD and Blu-ray aisle, the virtual DVD and Blu-ray aisle, so to speak, which you know,
1: is a thing, you know. There's HMV.com,
0: There's, HMV. the there's, there's an Amazon, you
1: know. Yeah, I miss the DVD and Blu-ray aisle. I miss I miss movie stores. I miss Blockbuster.
0: I miss video stores. I miss video stores. I used to work for Blockbuster, but well, to be fair, you know, to be fair, there's there's one left. I've not watched the documentary about it
1: actually. I a documentary. The documentary.
0: Did you, I did, is it any good?
1: It's OK. It's OK. It's, okay. it's kind of like you don't need to make an entire documentary about the last blockbuster. But I did start mm. watching it.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's cute. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> OK, so on on Blu-ray and DVD from this coming Monday, which is the 10th of May, uh, we have a movie that uh, was part of the, uh, the, the you know, the, the, the rather high profile HBO Max release strategy that Warner Brothers came up with. And this was their would-be Oscar contender out of that weirdly, it was another of their movies that turned out to be the actual Oscar contender, but this was the one that they had money on because it stars not one, not two, but three bloody Oscar winners. stars Denzel, stars Rami Malek, stars Jared Leto. It is, of course, John Lee Hancock's The Little Things in which Denzel is the kind of uh, run-down, you know, uh, ramshackle, near-retirement detective who wants to take on that elusive case that got away, and he thinks the suspect, the killer he's been searching for all these years, is the very Manson-like Gerard Leto. Uh-oh. Oh, hey, stranger. Tired of steaming up that glass. Mm-hmm. Prezies? Oh, yeah. Is it the part where I start feeling like it's a trap? Open it up, I now. Yeah. It's not a pair of mittens.
1: I mean talk about judging someone just based on their appearance you know just because he looks a bit like charles manson doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> he's charles manson but you know that's the way it was in the 90s in which this was set right this is like this is kind of a semi-period piece in this it's it's an interesting one because like denzel's character he's not he's not he's he's burnt out is the way that you mm. describe it he's, he's been obsessed with this case for so long and then Rami Malek is like this hotshot detective who's who kind of just is gonna win this case, you know? And that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, because,
0: because when I think arrogant hotshot, yeah, the first person I think to cast is, is Rami Malek. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, it, it,
1: yeah. It didn't work that bit, unfortunately. I just don't think he's got the swag.
0: <laughs> you know, do you know who actually would have been perfect for that role? And this is, it's almost ironic to say it this year. Would have been Army Hammer, funnily enough. If you'd had Army Hammer in that role, I actually think it would have worked better. Rami, don't get me wrong, I know Rami Malek is an infinitely better actor than yeah. Army Hammer, <laughs> but I'm just saying for that character, Army Hammer kind of would have suited it better. Scott Eastwood, actually, as well would have been a, a, a good candidate. Yeah. It would have been a good... Candidate. I it's actually,
1: candidate. weirdly, here's a, po- here's a, here's a curveball for you. Woody Harrelson. I would have loved to have seen Woody Harrelson do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you know he's already done he's already done True Detectives so I think he only gets one shot at that particular uh, that particular but yeah no, so love it or hate it you, can, you yeah. can see it on DVD or Blu-ray from Monday
1: mm, yeah okay well on to streaming because you and I differ on, on, on little things I don't mind it so much but on to streaming on Netflix uh from uh Wednesday next week uh, is brightburn and oh, this is this is great I remember we went to the screening of this remember when we did that um yep. and uh, <laughs>
0: voluntarily I remember we did it voluntarily yeah
1: voluntarily yeah and um this is kind of your anti Superman movie right because effectively it, yeah yeah because it's what would happen if as with Superman a, an alien baby lands on earth gets adopted on a farm by some people Turns out to not be the saviour of Earth, but actually the Anti-Christ in a way. That's the way I'd kind of look at it. Mom, who am I? You are a gift. Wait, sure. now with my blood you sleep? Here for a reason and someday you will burn bright
0: Oh, I forgot it was Billie Eilish on that trailer. She's uh, that she's that everywhere that's this that's week, exactly. isn't she? It really is. Uh, that's also that's the movie that made me fall in love with that song. Um, so Brightburn, which is not the first time someone had attempted to basically subvert the morality of Superman. It, it just happens to be, I think, the best attempt at subverting the morality yeah. of Superman. I mean, it's worth noting that Brightburn, I think, would have been a much bigger deal had Zack Snyder not done what he did to Superman. Had the DCEU not existed and Superman all read the actual regular Superman. Effectively displaying all the morality of your average serial killer, I would argue that *Brightburn* would have been a much, much bigger deal. And up to a point, *Brightburn* is genuinely terrific. It is outright brilliant. It drops the ball ever so slightly with, and it is a narrative thing. It is by making the kid, like alien race, a very mm. have a very specific quality. It I think cheapens what otherwise could be a brilliantly disturbed, very dark and twisted story. As it is, it comes across as just a you know fun, dark thriller. But great performances in there from, uh, I think, David Denham and uh, Elizabeth Banks as the would-be Martha and Jonathan Kent of this twisted James Gunn-produced universe. But uh, it is, as well, also the setup for its own, like, Unbreakable-style dark superhero universe. There is an element at the end of the movie that does seem to indicate there are other facets to it.
1: And I'm, I'm, I'm i was exp- i was hoping for that as well but we haven't seen anything mm. since which is a shame and that's obviously to do with box office numbers but maybe it will get a revival now that more people will see it on netflix and there'll be some more arguments towards oh i'm watching it again
0: it. i've seen yeah. this again. i've not seen this in like a couple of years i am watching this again I love yeah
1: i'm really excited about this um also really excited about uh, what's coming out next friday which is the woman in the window which is um Starring Amy Adams So this is a brand new Netflix original movie Well
0: actually It's an acquisition So I believe This was originally A Fox picture I think Ah. Prior to the Prior to the Disney Disney Fox merger I believe this was A project of Fox That Disney flogged i think it was i think it was far enough in development but not far enough along because there was that wave of fox films that disney Mm. just wound up releasing like uh ford v ferrari and films like that yeah Uh, dark phoenix rather not dark phoenix uh new mutants rather famously um but in the case of this one i think they just sold it on this wound up going to to netflix and now it's amy adams doing effectively agoraphobic rear window now we'll get to check yeah i know right like Sign me up. I mean, uh, looks very pretty. Trailer's very cool. I look forward to seeing it next week. I haven't seen it yet. It's a Netflix movie, so even if I had, odds are I'd be embargoed until, like, midnight the night before or midnight two days before. Um, But, of course, that's not the movie we're truly excited about next Friday. We're going to get to talk about that on on next week's show. But on Netflix next Friday, Miss Perfect, take it away. Who are we going to introduce here?
1: Oh, well... Just a little old lady named Ma. Uh, (laughs) This is a great, great movie. I've really, really enjoyed this. Um, Out on Netflix. I remember us going in to see this and just not really thinking much about, you know, what we're about to go and see. So this stars um, Octavia Spencer um, as Sue Ann. Uh, who is a middle-aged woman, she basically allows a group of teenagers to party in her basement, but she has certain conditions to which they can do that. Um, and through, though the friends are elated with the idea, they soon discover that Ma is not all what she seems. Well, who needs y'all?
0: Girls, girls. You guys wanna party like rock stars or what?
1: No, I gotta clean the house up before my mom gets home. Hey, maybe next time. Damn, Ma, don't you got a job?
0: Yeah. I guess I should work a double since you guys don't have time for me. Girl, you need a man. Girl, you need to watch your mouth.
1: She's like, I'm the cool mom. I'm the one that you, you know, I, I may be in my forties, but you definitely want to hang with me. And they're like, oh, well, okay, you can get us some booze. We'll be, we're up for it, right? Oh, well, first of all.
0: Speaking of the cool mums, I'm just going to say, the bottom fell out of my world when I was watching this movie, uh, when I came to the realisation that Juliette Lewis is genuinely old enough to convincingly play a teenager's mum. Like, that is the bleakest thing you could ever... It's like, between her and Winona, I am feeling old AF, you know? It's, it's, it's just, it's killing me.
1: Well, do you know what? Everything about this movie is going to have you on the edge of your seat. Because you don't know which way it's going to take you throughout most of it. And then suddenly it hits you and you're like, whoa. It's a proper fun
0: psycho thriller, isn't it?
1: It really is. And you know what? Octavia Spencer in this, oh, absolutely brilliant in this. So you know what? If you've seen her in stuff that's a little bit more sort of heavy hitting, I think this is going to lighten it up and show all of the brilliance that is for her as an actress. So, yeah. Enjoy it. It's a great way to wrap up your
0: week as well, because this came out around the same time as Greta, which was another fun psycho thriller. That one starred Chloe Moretz and Isabelle Huppert. If you double build Ma and Greta, that's a fun evening. That is a twisted evening.
1: Not sure how I feel about doing that, but yeah, <laughs> each mm. to their own. Um, but that, you know, look, we're going to talk a bit more, hopefully, next week about The Woman in the Window, uh, because that's going to be one of the big releases. We might have to chop and change that, because, like you say, we might be embargoed up to our eyeballs on that one. We're not mm. so sure just yet. So stick with us. But obviously, the week after is the week that cinemas reopen, which is Indeed. a thing. <laughs>
0: Well, they're dumping a lot of movies into cinemas that day. So it's going to be Monday the 17th. And so, uh, you know, the cinemas going to reopen that day. You'll be able to rock up to your nearest multiplex and choose from the likes of Undergods. Uh, there's The Unholy, which is a horror movie starring, uh, what's his name, Jeffrey Dean Morgan from Ooh. Supernatural Walking Dead. Uh a Lady and the Portrait's being put into, into cinemas. Sound of Metals getting a theatrical release that day whoa. as well. Nomadland as well is going to be in cinemas. Uh, there's Maya the b 3, that series whoa, is still Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. Are you wait, saying what? that we might actually be able to see some of the movies that were listed at the Oscars this year? Shut the front yeah. door. <laughs> imaginatively
0: enough. But that's not even the movie I'm the most excited about. And I'm not even that excited about the Angelina movie, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Or even Peter Rabbit too, as, as hard as that might be for you to believe. I know you might think that I'm excited, you know, beyond belief for Peter Rabbit too, and believe me, my nephew is. It's However, again. Oh. he is. Yes, uh, David Oyelowo is in this one as well, strangely. But I'll tell you what's out that day, and I have been dying to see this for the two years that we've known it was coming. And that is, of course, Spiral from the Book of Saw, starring Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson. I can't wait for this movie. Like, this what? comes out from Monday the 17th. This is the Chris Rock written reboot of the Saw series that apparently has... It, it takes place within the universe. It is not a Saw sequel. It is just a new investigation, a new killer, and a new case within the Saw universe, but it's somehow all connected. Don't know how that's going to work, but I'm dying to find out. Great trailer for that wow. as well.
1: Amazing. Oh, gosh, I didn't know anything about that. I'm excited to see that. I mean, you know, I love a good Saw movie, so... Yeah, sign me up for that one. But look, however, you're feeling about going back to the cinemas, um, there are still options. You know, video on demand has been, and you know, the option for streaming has obviously been super popular for a lot of studios. So they are continuing to do that for a number of movies. So check out your options. Don't stop yourself from seeing great movies as and when they come out and do what's, everything at your what's... pace.
0: Yeah, it's worth noting isn't it as well that some of those films that are being put onto, into cinemas on, on the 70s they are available on streaming now like Nomadland yeah. is on Disney yeah. Plus it's not even a premium access it's just general subscription that's just part of the start here Sound of Metal is on Amazon Prime for instance yeah. uh, 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 Those Who Wish Me Dead if it's following the HBO Max release strategy as well is going to be available on digital presumably within about fortnight. I think it's three weeks in this country I think we have to wait three weeks for Warner Brothers movies um, it's going to be within three weeks to be able to watch that one at home. so it There's not an an, an immediate imperative for some of these films on theatrical. But of course, ones like Spiral and Peter Rabbit 2, theatrical's pretty much the only way you're going to get to see those.
1: Yeah, yeah. But look, you've got lots of choice coming. It is a really positive thing that we are seeing light at the end of the tunnel with all of this. But as ever, we just want to encourage you guys to watch movies in whatever way, shape or form you feel happiest to do it. So if it's in the cinema, fantastic. If it's at home, you have options. So go and enjoy. But for now... We'll leave you to it because there's lots of stuff that you can be watching this week. So I've been Bet's Perfect.
0: I've been Van Connor, and we shall return.